saying something about wanting to stretch her legs. We walked slowly along the cliff road together, and she told me stories about her life, love affairs, elations and frustrations, the usual mixed bag of angsty 22-year-old stuff and then some. All the while crying unselfconsciously and wiping her nose and eyes with her forearms. Not wanting to turn her loose, I invited her into my house, found a box of tissues and listened. Should she stay a slave to a drug like Zoloft because she got a bit messy now and again? What did I think? Her friends, who, like her, grew up with the 1994 memoir Prozac Nation, were quite divided on medication. Some disdained antidepressants, partly because of the zombifying effect, or because they're now seen as a bit tacky or cliched. Other friends, who were scared by her self-harming, seemed reluctant to argue against the drug, because they could see she needed help. It's the postmodern girl's dilemma, she concluded. We all know the drugs fuck with your brain, but you need them to get on with your life. Angie, as I will call her, had just won a fellowship to study overseas, an opportunity she saw as a meaningful turning point. Grasping at the symbolism of renunciation, she wanted to clean her slate of old ways, including medicating her sorrows. She sought a quick answer, and I gave one. I advised her against stopping the drug. It was the same advice I might give in the clinical setting of my professional life. Follow the prescription, but if in doubt, go back to your doctor. The tame dove answers of my white coat training. What follows is the longer, vastly more digressive version of a reply I've been formulating for this young woman since she flew off to New York and fell in love with the skyline. Do I really need the drugs that were prescribed for me? Do I have the right to question medical authority? Am I paying a long-term price for a short-term peace of mind? The questions are valid and increasingly common. Our intellect, which likes to assert itself when faith demands we keep silent and take our medicine, will keep on shaping these questions, even in the face of competent reassurance, even when we are told the drugs will save our lives. Angie's very individual story, which I will come to later, is one of several million Australian stories which lead to the same punchline, a prescription for antidepressant tablets. In 2004, 12 million prescriptions for this group of drugs were dispensed through the Pharmaceutical Benefit Scheme, PBS, a figure that contains both newly initiated scripts and monthly repeats of established regimes and equates to well over a million annual users. More people than ever before in the history of Australia are taking antidepressants. 5 million PBS scripts in 1990, 8.2 million in 1998, 12 million last year, 250,000 of which were written for patients under 20 years old. It is not surprising within one's own circle to discover that your postman, your bank manager, your best friend, three of your nieces, the surly boy in the next street, and even the cat you offer to sit while your colleague is away are all on SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or the newer SNRIs, or NASAs. The acronyms matter little beyond the borders of medical jurisdiction. We take the drugs on faith, reassured by the certainties of hard science that seem to beep like text messages from their chemical aliases. Collectively, these drugs are called psychoanaleptics. They restore, amplify, even, it is claimed, invigorate our impoverished supplies of happy-making brain chemicals.
Worldwide, antidepressant sales recently topped 20 billion US dollars annually. From anybody's perspective, this is an impressive expression of faith. At a time when more and more of our citizens are drawn to the narrow-band, evangelical message of a personal God who watches over our well-being if we dose up regularly on the approved scripture, it is tempting to conceive of mood-altering drugs as secular fetishes for unhappy souls. Except that the potential for harm from prescribed drug-taking is demonstrably higher than it is from hand-clapping and shut-eye singing in a Pentecostal church. After a ten-year love affair with happy pills, we are beginning to see flaws in some of the hard science underpinning our beliefs about the safety of these drugs, and to recognise the disguised motives of those who bring the drugs to market. Researchers are questioning the wisdom of medicating 10% of the population with potent molecules when...